0: One day, when I was 11, I believe, I was in my parents' front yard raking leaves. We lived on a corner lot in Oxnard, California, in Ventura County, and we had a few big trees. It was my job each fall to rake. I remember having a big pile built up. I liked seeing how much of the yard's worth of leaves I could rake into a single pile. And no, I didn't run and jump onto the pile as my wife tells me kids are supposed to. I just wanted to make a hill of leaves that was as high as possible. I was actively raking when I heard a man's voice shouting at me. I don't remember the exact words, but it was something like, Don't move. Drop the rake and put your hands up. I looked up and it was a uniformed cop leveling what I think was a thirty-eight at me. He was a young man, but very calm. I did indeed drop the rake, and I shot my hands into the air. He was about ten feet from me, and I noticed that he seemed angry, but he was trying his best to keep himself contained. There was something in the officer's expression that was very eerie. He seemed disgusted with me. My father had come out of the house, and he slipped in between the cop and me. My father told the officer, in a loud but calm voice, that everything was okay, that his son would cooperate. The officer told my father, in a controlled voice, that he was going to have to step aside. My father moved out of the way, and as he stepped away, his eyes moved between the officer's face and his gun my father repeated, whatever has happened, my son will cooperate. But the conversation between my father and the officer went on for a while, with my father asking the officer to please lower his gun that his son had been raking, and whatever happened, the kid had nothing to do with it. The officer asked my father how long I had been there raking. My father pointed at the big pile of leaves and said, well, at least for a couple of hours. And he added that I was a straight-A student and would never do anything wrong. The officer kept the gun on me as my father asked him what had happened. The officer said that a vicious crime had been committed. I could see the officer's expression change subtly. He was beginning to wonder if I was the right kid but the officer told my father that he was going to have to arrest me. I'll get back to this. I'd like to look at a passage from Jesus' Sermon on the Mountain in Matthew. In this long discourse, Jesus describes what it means to be truly a believer and how believers should treat each other. I thought it would be fun to look at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. Many congregations say it every Sunday. And often we remark when we say the prayer that it was Jesus Himself who taught us to say this prayer. Here's what it says leading up to the prayer, where Jesus tells His people how they should pray. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray like this. And then Jesus delivers the prayer that was named after Him. We see that a prayer is between us and God, and it is not something offered because we want people to think we're holy. The real test of prayer is when it is just you and God, and no one else is around. Consider verse 14, which comes just after the Lord's Prayer. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus reminds us that to truly earn God's forgiveness, we must first forgive others. What this means is that a Christian always has forgiveness in their heart. That is the part of the prayer that Jesus chooses to repeat because it's so important for us to remember. It's not that forgiving is a requirement of being forgiven. It's that forgiving others is a test to see if we're genuine believers. Now here's a bit from Psalm 38. I am on the verge of collapse, facing constant pain, but I confess my sins. I am deeply sorry for what I have done, I have many aggressive enemies. They hate me without reason. They repay me evil for good and oppose me for pursuing good. Do not abandon me, O Lord. Do not stand at a distance, my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. Many believers say the Lord's Prayer in church. The Psalms were prayers that the Israelites and then the Jews often sang in their services. The first part of Psalm 38 is a reminder that if we've done something wrong, we will be on the verge of collapse. We will be in constant pain. What's the answer? We need to admit what we've done wrong, apologize, and then make it right. I'll get back to the last part of this psalm. But remember what we've learned from our two passages. First, that when we've wronged someone, we're in a state of anxiety until we confront what we've done. That's from our psalm. And second, from Matthew's Sermon on the Mountain, that we must always forgive. Let's get back to that police officer whom I later learned was very new at his job. After my father and the officer spoke to each other for a minute or so, the officer nodded at me. He told me to relax, that he would not hurt me as long as I did indeed cooperate. Then another officer, a man who was a bit older, came running up. He told the first officer to stand down, that the kid who had attacked the older lady had been caught down the street, and they had him in cuffs. It was then that the young officer holstered his gun and suddenly looked very embarrassed. He told my father that he was very sorry. He turned to me and said that he was very sorry to scare me. The second officer explained that the kid they had just arrested did look a lot like me, and his partner was working off a description of that kid. The woman, who was quite elderly, had been robbed and thrown to the ground and had a very serious head injury. I heard the siren of an approaching ambulance. My father said that everything was okay, that we both understood. I, of course, followed suit and said that I was fine, no problem, although in truth, I was shaking inside. The young officer and his partner walked away. I didn't see the kid they arrested And later, when someone told me his name, I didn't recognize it. Later that evening, our doorbell rang. My father answered, and it was the young cop. He was still in uniform. He asked my father if he could please speak to me. My father called for me. The officer said that he had just finished his shift and that he had been thinking about me. He said that he had little kids at home and how terrible he would feel if one of them had been scared like that. He said that he couldn't go home without making sure that I was okay and apologizing one more time. I thanked him for coming by. I asked him how the woman was doing. The officer said that she was in the hospital and that it didn't look good. Then both the cop and I were silent for a moment, We stood in my parents' living room looking at each other. My father nudged me and said, And what else? I looked up at him. What are you going to say to someone who just apologized to you? said my father. Then I remembered. I told the officer that I forgave him and he should just forget about it, that I understood why he was angry and why he wanted to arrest me. My father smiled and nodded. It's good to think about what it means to live like a Christian, what it means to emulate the life of Jesus, and how doing so lifts us up and allows us to live with joy. We should think about the most important lesson that Jesus taught us. It's in the Lord's Prayer, and it is indeed forgiveness. But here's a bit of a twist on the forgiveness lesson. Forgiveness is a three-way thing. It involves first someone apologizing or perhaps not apologizing at all, and in fact, re- perhaps remaining defiant and refusing to admit any wrong. The second person is the one who forgives. And the third party is God, and God waits for us to forgive. God is especially appreciative if we've forgiven someone who hasn't even apologized. Then God blesses us. That's the glorious moment when we feel God touching us with a deep, powerful grace. Let's consider some of the lines that we looked at in Psalm 38. They seem a bit odd. I have many aggressive enemies. They hate me without reason. They repay me evil for good and oppose me for pursuing good. Do not abandon me, O Lord. Do not stand at a distance, my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. I don't like to use Scripture out of context like so many pastors do. And so I want to point out that the original purpose of this passage is to tell us that if we do wrong, we're going to suffer It's actually a brutal message. It says that if we do wrong and we don't make it right, God will come down on us hard. In this psalm, God uses other people to make the sinful person suffer. And this happens often in the Old Testament, where people or entire armies might be used to punish sinners. But there's something else we can get from this psalm today. There are people in our world who are here to serve us and who find themselves being repaid with evil. I want to ask you to lift your hearts up for police officers and for other first responders. As a chaplain at the hospital, I see police officers bringing people into the emergency room. It is officers who are the first ones on the scene when someone is run over by a car while crossing the street or who is shot or who falls off a ladder or is beaten by a spouse or is in a horrific car crash. Police officers get overdosed drug addicts and frightened runaways to the hospital. I always see these officers acting with kindness And empathy so let's finish with that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray on the Sermon on the Mountain our Father in heaven may your name always be kept holy may your kingdom come and what you want be done here on earth as it is in heaven give us the food we need each day Forgive us our sins, just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And do not cause us to be tempted, but save us from evil. Amen.